0: Welcome to the World of Procurement Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. Today, we've got James Mead on the podcast. James is a independent procurement consultant who mostly works with small to medium-sized businesses, and he's also the host of the Procure Tech Podcast. This is a podcast that focuses really on the digital side of procurement, bringing a lot of the... Uh, the software solutions to your attention, how to do digital procurement, digitalization of procurement, transformation, that sort of thing. So you definitely want to check out what James is doing. This podcast is really insightful. What we're actually going to deep dive into initially is cost savings and how to protect the bottom line. That That's the kind of the message we're sharing at the start of the podcast. Before then, going on to talk about digital procurement, what James is up to with the podcast, his views on digitalization of procurement. I I really enjoyed this conversation with James. You can tell he's ultra passionate around digital procurement and procurement in general. I think you are going to get a lot of value from this. This podcast is brought to you by Icarus Consultancy. Icarus Consultancy are specialists in all things procurement, supply chain, and commercial contract management operating in the defense and aerospace sectors. Primarily, we also undertake work in the science, technology, and research sectors as well. And what we come in to do is just provide some consultancy services, some advisory services, or even get stuck in with the day-to-day operational side of things just to make things run a bit smoother, make small changes that have a big impact on your business. So James, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on the World of Procurement Podcast, especially as I was just on your, your very own podcast just last week. Um, it, it might just be really good just to get a bit of an introduction as to who you are, what you've been up to in the procurement world and kind of what you, what you're up to now.
1: Yeah. Thanks Daniel. And uh, thanks for inviting me on. And uh, yeah, it literally does feel like almost yesterday when we spoke last, but uh, yeah, so, um, I'm an independent procurement consultant. Um, I'm British by origin, uh, but I now live in Sofia, Bulgaria. And my sort of niche is helping, uh, SMEs, manufacturing SMEs and, Matures so sort of post uh, C day startups to optimize and reduce their external vendor spend. So typically, organizations that wouldn't have an in-house procurement department, or if they do, then they tend to be more sort of transactional day-to-day roles rather than strategic.
0: Awesome. And um, just to quickly talk about it as well, you, you've got the podcast as well. What's the podcast about? What you what you're trying to achieve with that?
1: So the podcast really came about when I was in the corporate world, I just, I got frustrated by how many tasks were still paper-based and just outrageously inefficient. And, and it made me think, you know, why is my employer paying me my very good salary to do a lot of stuff that you could pay a, you know, 15 euro an hour admin assistant to do? I mean, okay, not everything, but I did spend an inordinate inordinate amount of time on admin tasks and um and at the same time i'd sort of grown a sort of side business and i'd seen how through online marketing and 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 a lot of that world there are a lot of apps and startups that specialize in Automation of, of various administrative stuff, you know, things like things like Zapier and if this then that, and all of these apps that can automate fairly mundane processes, and and that kind of got me involved that in, in interested then in in everything that's out there in the digital procurement space. And when when I left the procurement, but the the corporate world and and started my own business, I kind of thought it would be good to have a a podcast to sort of help get a bit of exposure towards what I'm doing. And uh, and and I really looked at what's out there that doesn't really have much of a voice because there are other podcasts out there that cover sort of general procurement stuff. I mean, there's what, what you've just started doing and there's Art of Procurement, Negotiations Ninja and a couple of others. And I thought, well, digital procurement doesn't really have a voice on its own. And, and I know Matthias Goodzman has got this Digital Procurement World con- uh, um, Conference, which from what I hear is really, really good. I'm hoping to go this year actually. And I just thought, well, if we if there was a podcast in the same space showcasing software companies that are transforming procurement, but at the same time getting people on from the procurement space who have um, actually gone through a digital transformation journey or who are in that space sort of aiding and abetting the digital transformation process, people like Susan, who I know you've had on your your, your podcast as well, Um, it's a, it's a really good niche to sort of spread the world, uh, spread the word because I really do think this is the future. And, um, I mean, as we touched on in the interview that you did for me, automation of sort of more mundane processes is going to become more and more mainstream over the coming years, especially now with this whole coronavirus recession that we've got on the way, companies are going to have to cut costs and find more innovative and, and modern ways of working.
0: Yeah, I I think it's a a brilliant idea setting up this, the niche podcast around sort of that digital procurement space. And that kind of brings us on to what we're going to have a bit of a chat today. It's going to kind of go between two themes and we're kind of going to talk about this, the hard sort of graft of procurement and protecting the bottom line and maybe talk a bit about procurement uh, digitalization. So let's kick off right now, James, and let's talk about protecting the bottom line through procurement as well. Like, how can you do this? Um, what could or what should organizations be doing differently to perhaps save a few pennies? And yeah, I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, especially considering your your extensive background in the procurement world and your new
1: consultancy that you're working through. Yeah. So in the in the most be- in the most basic sense, the easiest way for organizations to get an overview of where they could possibly save money is, is first of all to do a detailed spend analysis. And you could kind of say that I'm putting the cart before the horse there because having good data is also a real linchpin of being able to extract that. But I I think the first, the first part, the first point is to, is to have a, a basic spend analysis in place. Now, if that spend analysis highlights that your data is absolute garbage and you can't really decipher from that, what you're spending and with whom, then you may need to take a step back and, and do some basic data classification and clean up before you take the next step. But if you, if the data is at least good enough to to be able to extrapolate roughly what you're spending with whom, that would be the first step because that will allow you to take a holistic look and say, okay, of all of my spend, which pockets are the opportunities in be that through having issues with single source or having a big long tail of spend that's not been actively managed by procurement or through having contracts that have been in place for years and years and no one's interrogated them which is i know is 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 your sort of home ground so that really is the the basic fundamental and once you've done that there are a whole array of different routes that you can take as the next step but if i were if i was going into a client the first thing i would do would be to sit down with their finance director or even with their ceo if it's a very small company uh, and say give me an excel data dump of all of the invoices that you've paid in the last 12 months. And let's try and figure out what you're spending.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really good point. And like you said, with a lot of these, these smaller companies, they don't have all these wonderful fancy enterprise solutions yet for procurement. So it's a lot of it when is a lot of the work when you're working with these smaller enterprises. Is it mainly sort of Excel based and sort of using that Microsoft Office suite or business suite of tools to really try and do a lot of the the hard work that is needed to
1: be done? <laughs> it is in a lot of corporates as well. Daniel, some truth be told, I think that's a <laughs> big dirty secret that's out there. But um, but yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, there are there are businesses out there that are still fairly small that may that may have a, a, an ERP like like SAP or Oracle, but but. As, as the, one of the discussions I had on my podcast a, a couple of episodes ago with uh, with with, with Joao Colin mer who's um, who's a P2P or source to pay expert, is that these enterprise level systems, whether they're made for SMEs or whether they're made for large corporates, don't really serve procurement's needs. They 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 serve accountings needs and they serve manufacturings needs and they serve you know, goods inwards, materials management's needs, but they don't really serve procurement needs. You can you can get you can extrapolate things out of these systems with with the right workarounds and with the right customs reports, but uh, with the right custom reports. But I, I would say that regardless of the size of the business, most companies are still using Excel unless they're you know one of the early adopters with with digital procurement technology. I've
0: seen that as well, and even old defense companies that turn over hundreds of millions of pounds per year still doing everything on right. excel so <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's an interesting one especially as even uh, from a government uh, perspective which is a, a big part of my background as well a lot of excel work i mean so, so once you've kind of done a lot of that spend analysis you've gone through all of those you know all those uh, tables and rows and rows of data where you might have sort of supplier name the, the spend profile and whatever else you can get your hands on, you, you've maybe tidied up that that data a little bit more just to get a bit more out of it. What, what kind of are the next steps you can do to start maybe using that data to start trying to protect the bottom line, maybe make a few savings or just add a bit of value?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So when, once you've got that basic spend data, and let's assume that the data is... Workable, you know that you've, you've we've got a rough idea. You know we, it's it's what it's data that we can work with. It's not that bad that that it's complete nonsense. From that point, it's then a case of sitting down with some of the key stakeholders, and and working out first of all whether this spend is addressable because it may be under long term contract or it may be a a monopoly company or a state run company, especially with things like utilities in some of the more frontier markets. Um, so you. I would then sort of kind of do a sort of red, amber, green classification of is this spend that we can freely go out and source? Is this spend with a vendor that the business doesn't really want to move away from, but theoretically they could if they were pushed to, you know, if there was a massive saving or, or otherwise benefit to do it? Or, or is or is the spend red, which essentially means it's, uh, it's a critical vendor that would require months and months or, or lots of cost to validate them or it's spend that's under contract that we can't easily get out of. And once we've then got the green and the yellow spend together, that, that would give us the sourceable spend and we can then start taking rough estimates of, okay, well, if we save 3% or 5% off of that, what would that mean to the business? And at that point, you can then start having an interesting discussion with, with the senior leaders in that business to say, well, okay, this is what we think we can save do you want to then go down the next phase and have me or or even try and implement it in-house and actually go through that transformation exercise and that would you and, and then the way that that would be approached can be you know a whole manner of different ways you can either then try and put all of your high spend categories or high spend suppliers out on market test you could do a deep dive of your contracts to understand you know what commercial weaknesses or opportunities may lie in there you can try and look at everything that's Maverick spend, you know, vendors that are that have that being paid without any purchase order in place or any price agreement in place. There are whole different ways to, to to coin the cliche to skin a cat once you've got that basic data in place.
0: So it's just really doing a lot of good data analysis, uh, uh, looking for it all and then a lot la- well, it's then using that data to get way more strategic with what's been happening.
1: Exactly. And it's really then allowing your client or, or your business partner, if you're doing it on behalf of you know, corporate stakeholders, to, to kind of guide you then and say, well, what road do they want to go down that they feel would be of the most benefit to them? And, and, and yes, you can give them an indication of where you think the lowest hanging fruit may be. But, but ultimately, then it's much more of a sort of client and consultant relationship to come to a consensus over, you know, what's the approach that we want to take from there? Because there are there are many different roads you can go down. And in theory, you could do them all as well if you've got long enough and the client had got a big enough budget to pay you to do it. But as in, as in the corporate world, you know, in, with an internal procurement department serving internal stakeholders, as is the case in a consultant-client relationship, they will usually want to see some quick wins first to, to to vindicate the whole reason for doing it.
0: I think you made a, a, a quite a good point actually. There, just you, know, you could look at this, and you know you could explore as many of the ways to use all that data, implement all these different strategies, maybe to reduce some cost somewhere or change suppliers. And you could do that internally, or you could get an external consultant in. And it really is a, a it can come down to budgets. But do you think there's a benefit to having someone external doing it? And try, And I, I mean, for, for me, I, I can instantly see a, a, a lot of benefits. Um, and I know we're both consultants and we would probably say, yeah, there's a benefit to paying someone like us to come and do this. But do you think there's a benefit of someone external coming in and doing this sort of work over a... An employee of the company who maybe be a, who might be a bit more invested or, or vested in the supplies they've chosen or the way they' they've set up the procurement department to do things yeah I
1: mean my, my short answer is yes I do see the benefit but but my um, my longer answer would be it, it really depends on what the objective is first of all and 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 secondly, the type of consultant that you that you bring in to do it so i think in a in a in a a small or medium-sized business or even in a larger business that that where procurement has always been very decentralized and more sort of plant-based rather than having a centralized strategic procurement team then then yes there is a clear benefit because there aren't the in-house resources with the expertise to be able to do what the consultant can do in in a larger business or in a business that's got a, a strategic procurement team that's separate from the sort of day to day operations that deals more with strategy, thought leadership, um, you know, putting together the, the the more holistic view, then it's it's kind of a question of well, what do you want the consultant to do? You know, if you're bringing in if you're in a big four consultancy to to to, to bring in some best practice thought leadership um that's a whole different ball game to if you're bringing in a more implementation type consultancy i mean of the big ones that's like accenture and capita and then there's loads of sort of smaller boutique ones you know myself included as a sort of one person business in the very small niche that i serve so it it really depends on do you have the resources do you have the budget but also what what type of consultancy are you looking at to come in and and, and and do that piece of work. I mean I've in my corporate career I've I've seen comp- consultants come in and and make an absolute absolute hash of what they've of what they've come in and done because they've not addressed what the real problem is because they sit they they sit in a meeting room with with top level management for two or three weeks but they never talk to anyone that really understands what the problems are.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Use all the the information you've built up to you know start looking at your strategic Objectives and where you want your procurement department to sort of where you want it to go, and either that might lead to getting a consultant in, depending on what your objectives are, or if you've got the resources, the capability, you can you can easily do this work in house. So yeah, I think that's a you know a really valuable. And, answer and, I, and I do I um, do
1: also think that nine times out of ten, a consult especially in bigger companies, a consultant is. The person that comes in and earns a fortune to tell you what your team members have been telling you all along.
0: (laughs) uh... I yeah yeah I I get that and I I I mean it's crazy. Before I was a consultant, I'd be sat there, you know, almost earning peanuts compared to the consultants screaming out for why are we doing this? There's a massive saving there. You've got a bunch of hell spend or or and you're you're ordering. 20 different pens and a biro's free peer pen and you're ordering fountain pens that cost three pounds a pen like why do we need someone external to come tell you uh, to do this for you to listen and it's it's all a bit weird uh, how it actually operates practically
1: yeah and I i think part of that problem is especially in larger corporations is that top level management are just so far removed from a lot of the day-to-day problems and what works and doesn't work on, on the ground. And I think that's really the the gap because these companies are so big and there are so many levels of management that it's it's more difficult to understand what's really going on on the ground because at that level, people are just set in and out of meetings all day or, 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 or traveling. And they don't really get time to understand, you know, other than the obligatory, you know, m- monthly or quarterly town hall meeting what's really going on out there on I say the shop floor a little bit figuratively but you know with with the sort of day-to-day category management teams. So
0: you've just given us a lot of value there around maybe how companies can get a little bit smarter around protecting their bottom line just getting a bit more out of their procurement departments but digital digital procurement has become such a big focus of yours and you've got the ProcureTech podcast which we've discussed already which is Uh, An incredible idea of yours. I mean, what does digital procurement, digitization of procurement, what does that mean to you, James? Um, i I
1: tell tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean months and months of IT projects and an army of consultants to come in and implement a really complicated piece of software. In its most simple form, digital procurement can mean having the automation or having the software in place that allows you to extrapolate key pieces of information or data from your system, and to make your organisation run smoother. And you know, one of the guests that I interviewed for my for my podcast, a guy called Tamo Seidler from Procurement Flow, they've in, they've invented something or brought something onto the market that that essentially is a mixture between Trello and Slack. I don't know if you've heard of, if you know what either of those do, but yeah. I use go. both. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's such a simple concept, but it's so effective because it captures everything in terms of communication and requirements pre the purchase order being raised. And a lot of the sort of procurement, digital procurement or procure tech software out there is all around sort of doing e-sourcing or contract management or sort of big sort of source to pay, you know, complete enterprise level, uh, enterprise level pieces of software. This captures, it just, it it just, it just eliminates the need for using email, which anyone in procurement knows. I mean, procurement is quite old school. Big corporates are quite old school in the way that they communicate. And just that simple piece of software that they claim that you can plug and play, you know, within an hour. Okay. In reality, it's probably a couple of days, but even so it it doesn't require a, an it guy or 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 a bunch of consultants to go in and implement it's something that sits in the cloud and it completely auto, it, it it completely digitizes and brings and brings into one kanban board all of the requirements for project spend and one time buys that would typically then clog up an inbox and be the reason why people get 70, 80 emails a day.
0: That sounds wonderful <laughs> to me.
1: <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. I,
0: I I haven't actually heard of that before. Was it, Was it? what was the app or it's or called? Pro, it's called Procurement
1: Flow. They're, uh, they're an Estonian startup. G- good bunch of guys. Yeah, I, I think that's a,
0: I mean, it was a really good answer as to what
1: you don't think uh, uh,
0: digitalization or procurement is because that is often the the approach. A lot of companies will suddenly chuck every you know, IT procurement transformation director consultant that they can possibly find at it, and spend months of months trying to find some bit, some sort of software without actually tackling any of the other issues around implementing digitalization of procurement. So it, it, it was a good answer, really good example. I, I'm definitely going to go and check that out and have a bit of a read up. You said you've got a podcast on that yourself, right?
1: yeah 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 i had them, I, I on? Had them on and I'm, I'm actually i'm actually doing a webinar for them in a couple of well, it'd probably be a couple of weeks hence by the time this is published so uh, yeah they're um yeah they, they were on episode two of uh, of the podcast
0: keeping the theme here talking about implementing digital transformation uh digital transformation of, of procurement where do organizations fall south of this where do they fall short of it
1: it's a it's a great question. I can I can only answer this really anecdotally from from guests that I've interviewed on the podcast because in, in my corporate career, while I've I've been involved in the different aspects of bringing in digital technology throughout my career, I've never actually led a digital transformation myself. So I think there are there are, there are two ways. the the f- The first one is data. Um, if your data is garbage, then no matter how good the tool. Um, and, and, and Susan, who is on my podcast, and Stephanie Lapierre from Tealbook, um, that, that's kind of their mantra as well. If you've got garbage data, then you'll get garbage out of any digital transformation. So data is one. Um, the second one is really just making sure that the business, and especially IT, is is aligned with what needs to be done, because especially in larger corporates, you know, there are so many processes around IT in terms of, Cybersecurity and and now with, with with this BS that we've got in the in the EU with GDPR. I mean, I I know why it's there. You know, data protection is important, but it's um it does make it that so much more bureaucratic, and you know you can't do anything now without getting some sort of checklist that you grant permission to use someone's personal data. So, I see involvement from an early stage is a big one. Just a just like we as procurement people want to get involved in capex projects from the start, and not when just someone lands a quote on our desk and says, "Please can you negotiate it? I need a PO." It's it's kind of the same. The it the it guy needs to be involved pretty early doors when you when when you're doing a digital procurement transformation. The other one is knowing what you want to get out of it and having the method uh, the the methodology. <laughs> I can't methodology say that. Uh, to, to be able to, to be able to measure it once it's done um and to be able to have the resources to measure it and manage it once it's done because if you've got if if, if you've got real bare bones skeleton resources to implement it you get out what you put in like with everything in life so so they they're are the, the big three. I mean, there are others as well. Uh, I'm sure if you if you have someone on that sort of led a digital transformation, they'll come up with more. But they're they're the big three that I can think of immediately. If
0: you can't get good data in into your your systems or whatever you're going to implement, the results are going to be horrendous. It's, it's a and I, I I love that you you put so much emphasis on that because you know I think you say garbage in, garbage out. Yeah quite a bit with regards uh, to data i, I mean, usually say something so else true. that
1: be- begins with shh, but i won't <laughs>
0: you discussed like some of the the ways in which organizations sort of fall short you mentioned some good software examples and what you know a bad digital uh, digitization of procurement looks like what are some you know a few benefits of it i mean how i look at this it's, it's going to be a bit of a struggle to say to someone in your business maybe the whoever holds the purse strings start doing digital. Procurement, transform it all um, because it's going to make everything better. Uh, what what does the the better look like? What does good look like? Good for
1: a CFO looks like bottom line savings, and and there are there are plenty mm. of digital procurement software applications that can help you deliver that. But even if you're looking at something that that only indirectly delivers that, for example, something like data management or vendor master data or um, let me think of another one. Contract management. Um, even if it even if it doesn't bring in, I mean, something like an e sourcing software platform or or a bidding platform, there is a there is a clear return on investment there that you can sell. If it's something if it's something that just cleans your data or makes your spend more visible or or get, or, or or gives you more insights around different aspects of your contracts it's a more difficult sell to a cfo but the this is then really about creating white space to enable your existing purchase uh, procurement staff to do something more strategic or you know, in times like this going into a, into a recession if companies have got to get rid of headcount then then it allows them to get rid of the less productive members of their team rather than just drawing a line on their salary list and getting rid of the highest paid ones, which are typically the ones that deliver the most value.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like, especially given the the way the world is right now, there are inevitably going to be job cuts. And and if you can free up a lot of the, the strategic resource within your teams and and stop them working on mundane tasks and things like that, you're going to get way more value. Uh, James, I'm really conscious of the time here. You've delivered a lot of value around, you know, how to protect the bottom line, digital procurement transformation. I mean, where can people find you? I mean, we've discussed your your podcast. Is it just available pretty much the everywhere? The easiest
1: place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Um, my last name is spelled M-E-A-D-S if anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, my website is jamesmeadconsulting.com and there is a menu at the top which will take you straight to the podcast if you want to have a listen. Otherwise, you can just go to all the usual places where you can listen to podcasts.
0: That's excellent. And I'll make sure that all those links are in the show notes. I just want to say a massive thank you, James. that You've delivered a lot of really good value. And I think all that you're doing, especially around the the procure tech podcast is it, it's going to work out real nice for you and um, thanks for having time. me on
1: daniel and likewise i wish you every success i think it's great that there are more podcasts coming out i mean i, th- I think the more the more content there is in this space the more it will grow so i wish you every success and uh, and yeah i'm sure we'll collaborate again in the future
0: i think you'll agree with me that james provided some really actionable steps as to how You can protect the bottom line within your business. Some smart things to do, looking at data, analyzing the way in which you want to take your procurement activities and just getting work out the door in a very good manner. We also transitioned over to talk about digital procurement and he shared some wonderful insights there. I hope you really enjoyed the episode. If you did, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. It really helps us out and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.